0: Shepherds. First century shepherds were kind of outcast. First century shepherds were not even allowed in the temple. Because they were considered unclean. They could, interestingly enough, take care of the sheep that were considered clean as temple sacrifices. But they were unclean. They were considered to be so dishonest that they weren't allowed to be witnesses in a trial. These shepherds, well, the particular three or four, they were sort of the short straw shepherds that night as well. Because not only are they out watching sheep, those guys, those short straw holders are the night shift. So they're the wrong kind of people from the wrong side of the tracks. They're too poor. They're too dirty. And these ones these ones are so far down the list that the other shepherds are making them take the night shift. And these are the guys who we hear the story from. You know, the book of Luke is kind of a a research project. One of the things I like about the book of Luke is that Luke has gone through and gotten these stories, and he's talked to people, he's researched the subject, he's tried to figure out where all these stories are coming from, and he seems to have gone and talked to the sources, or someone close enough to the sources that he gets the actual story. Because Luke quotes people's comments. Luke quotes the angel's. Luke quotes the the things that are happening like someone who was present. And so, we owe those shepherds Luke's story. So all of history and all of the all of the Christmas pageants you've seen with the cute little 5-year-old shepherds and their giant sticks is owed to these guys telling the story repeating it and repeating it and repeating it, and apparently repeating it through decades and through generations. We don't know for sure if any of these shepherds lived long enough to tell the story to Luke. We do know that someone they told the story to did. Because as Luke quotes them, we get to hear their voices. The voices of some shepherds who just happened to be there that night in the right place, at the right time. Luke chapter 2, verse 8, describes them as, That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. It's a pretty simple introduction. That night, when Jesus was being born in Bethlehem, that night, there happened to be some shepherds. They just happen to be there, nearby. They just happen to be accessible. They just happen to be close. They just happen to be ready to hear. They just happen to be watching the flocks. They just happen to be there. I wonder how much of this we can accept as just happening. As the story unfolds, and as the story gets told the happenstance of it becomes a little less credible. Their proximity... Now they were in the same country. I love this uh, this description from the King James. They were in the same country. It almost sounds like they were somewhere in Israel. They were a bunch of these guys. No, it's a it's a it's a phraseology that we don't use today, but it means they were actually in the nearby setting. And we, when we look at it in other translations, they use those kinds of terms. They were in that region. They were close by. They were there, near there, that night. And if you were to go to Bethlehem today, you would you would see two primary attractions. The first one everyone goes. The first one everyone goes to, they go and they, they go to the church that covers the cave where it is believed that Jesus had actually been born. Now, before you dismiss this this is unlikely. realize that by the time they start building chapels over these places, Christianity has been a known commodity and a growing religion in that region for a couple hundred years. Can you go now? all this time later, to places in the east and find where George Washington slept. In fact, some of those places have signs, right? Some of those places are tourist attractions because George Washington slept here, right? The same way that generations have paid attention to this founding father's places of slumber, the, the, the succeeding generations of Christians seem to have paid attention to the primary places where things happened in Jesus' life. Archaeology is this funny thing. It arcs and moves. And archaeologists had drifted away from the idea that these churches and these, these these chapels were built in the right places. But the more they started digging, sometimes literally and sometimes figuratively, into the information, they've started finding they were, their way back to the realization that everything about the places is right that if you were to go down under the church, and if you were to 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 go, it's actually under the altar of the church, there are two places under that altar. You can go in on the right side of the altar where most people go. You can go in on the left side of the altar, which is a, a different place. Both of those places go underground. Both of them beneath the altar go into a little bit of a cave structure. And we know, we know that it was common. In fact, it is still done today. There are so many limestone caves around that caves become an anchor point for little barns, little, uh, little corrals. Last time we were in Israel with a group from the church, and I hope the next time we go, you'll go with us. You should always, everyone who is a Christian who can at all manage it, ought to see this thing for themselves. We drove by on the bus, and it was so fast I missed getting a picture out the window. But I looked as we were driving down Highway, I think it's 1 or 1A or something like that, that goes down past the Jordan River. As we're driving down the road, I happened to be looking out the window when I saw a cave with a corral built in front of it and sheep in the corral. Still being done. Why waste the cave? And so the fact that Jesus was born in a in a place where animals were kept would make sense That he was born in this little cave. Now there's this big silver star on the spot. I think that's a little less credible than the fact that it may have happened in that cave. I mean, knowing the exact spot, I mean, it's possible. But not quite as credible as this is the cave where Jesus was born. The stories that we have, we go back to these guys. We go back to Mary. We go back to the witnesses and the testimony of those witnesses. These shepherds, they just happened to be in that place, in that country, nearby. I wonder. I wonder if they just happened to be. You see, if you think about it, Mary, Mary Magdalene, she just happened to be outside of the other cave of Jesus' life, the tomb where he was buried. She just happened to be there that morning and be the first one to see Jesus and to announce his arrival to the disciples. Proximity happened to be there. She just happened to be in the place, the right place at the right time. You know those shepherds, that, or, the, or those disciples, they just happened to be by the lake when Jesus walked by. They just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Oh, And Mary and Joseph, they just happened to be from Nazareth and happened to be where Gabriel landed that day. He just showed up looking for some, some young woman and found this one, and she was just in the right place at the right time. It just happened that way. I think there are a lot of circumstances that would be pretty incredible if we weren't actually talking about the movements of the hand of God. So my question for all of us is, how do we get in the proximity of the country where what God is doing is happening? God shows up in unexpected places to us a lot of the time, right? He just just seems to show up. They weren't waiting for him. They didn't get in a pre-announcement, right? They didn't get a, okay, you guys take the night shift, hang out, be ready. Simeon got a a pre-announcement, right? We we talked about Simeon the other day. Simeon knew he was supposed to be at the sanctuary. He'd gotten a prophetic announcement sometime, maybe weeks or months before. And then he was led by the Spirit to to the temple that day. But these guys... These most significant and important guys, these tellers of the tales of Jesus' birth, this happened to be in the right place at the right time. I wonder about availability. I wonder how available I am to God. I wonder how much of my time in a given day is available to God. Now, if you take out the sleeping time, now I'm only taking out the sleeping time because if I said you all have, you know, prophecies in your night, in your sleep, we'd, we'd go off in another direction and half of you would be scared. But God is accessible to people at night. He did, he did reach out to Joseph in this very story at night and tell him it was okay to marry Mary. He reached out to him later at night and told him, go off to Egypt because Herod is sending a, a, a group of soldiers to kill your child. So I'm going to discount that nighttime sleep, though I'm not sure you should. But how much of your daytime, how much of my daytime is available to God? I do my devotional time. And I I love actually having it on my phone because it's transportable with me. Um, It goes where I go. I pretty much carry this thing around with me like a ball and chain, actually. But the nice thing about it is my devotional's on there, my Bible's on there. Several of them, in fact, are on there. I have devotionals, some of which I do with some of you. And I feel a little bit uh drawn to those things every day. And the fact that I can be here or be there or be somewhere else, I can sneak a devotional in when I'm just doing something else. I'm available. Right? Ever find yourself sneaking time in for God? In the world where we live. In the times in which we live, we're always trying to grab bits and pieces of time, it seems to me. We're always looking for an opportunity to be available. How much of your day, how much of my day, is available to God? Did God take the night shift shepherds because they were more available? Were the day shift shepherds... Try saying that four times real fast. (laughs) Were the day shift shepherds actually too busy... To be hearing, to be listening, to be paying attention. Or was it maybe the night shift shepherds? Because when that angel shows up at night, it's spectacular. The angel shows up in the daytime, it's competing with the the sun. The, The angel shows up at night in a place where there were no lamps except for the ones that were ignited. Availability. I want you to hear the whole story. And I have asked one of my uh, young friends to come and, and read this part of the story to me. So would you... You ready? Come on. You ready, Jane? Yes. Yeah. All right. Born ready. Here, stand right in the middle where everybody can see you. Hello. Put that up Hello. next to your mouth.
1: As you heard...
0: You want me to First hold it? It's
1: up there.
0: Yeah, just go ahead and read that.
1: No. No. Oh, there were in the same game.
0: Country. Here, I'll hold it.
1: Shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Just like other night trip hip shepherds do everyone, but everybody. And then, behold, behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid. Then an angel, then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news. Good tidings, of great joy. I bring you good tidings of joy which will be to all people. And, That's not all, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior with Christ the Lord, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. Lying in a manger. And suddenly there was as, like, a whole mob of, of angels. And they were singing. Glory to God in the highest. And earth, earth's peace and goodwill toward men. So it was, when the angels had gone away, from them back into heaven, that the shepherds said to one another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us.
0: Born to be a preacher, I'm telling you right now. (laughs) Why do we have the testimony? Because they were in the right place. Why do we have these words? Because they were available. Maybe it's their poverty. They didn't have enough stuff to be distracted. Maybe it's the proximity. They just happened to be in the right place. Maybe it's that they had been prepared. Maybe they're actually more prepared than the other shepherds that are out there in the region. There should in that region. I should just have him read in that region. There were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over the flocks by night. In that region is the place where all of the shepherds for the temple were. This is where the sheep for the temple were raised. This is where the priests kept their flocks. In those hills, in that region. So if you go to the first place, you find the cave, and you find that spot where we believe Jesus was actually born. If you go across town... If you go over to the other side of town, and you go to the hills that go that, 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 that roll out toward Israel, you see the valleys and the hills rolling out toward Jerusalem. And you sit on the edge of that space, and you look off toward Jerusalem. Today, if you look out, you'll see the suburbs. But back then, it was just rolling hills for miles between here and Jerusalem. And on those hills, little bands of shepherds. You can go there. In fact, it's called the shepherd's field. You can go there and and sit and look and watch what's going on. Just take in those those rolling hills and valleys and imagine sheep all over that place. Imagine little bands of shepherds, campfires at night where they're trying to keep warm against the fall of cold. When I sat there, I looked into the sky and I imagined that sky full of angels. They were in the right place. They were available. But these specific shepherds had spent their life thus far watching over the lambs who would be the sacrifices. They were uniquely prepared to go and see this new baby who would be the Lamb of God. They were uniquely prepared because of what they did. They had no idea. What they did was sort of scorned. What they did was looked down upon. What they did put them out of touch with the rest of society. But what they did drew them into the circle of understanding that the Messiah might just be the Lamb of God prepared for the sacrifice. So the last thing I want to ask you about is your proximity to God, your availability to God, and your preparedness to hear. Do you find opportunities to put yourself like this in the proximity of people who are worshiping God? Do you make opportunities in your life? Do you stop at any moment and make yourself available to his voice? I think a lot of times the reason we don't hear from him is because we're not listening. It's not that he's not talking. He's just not screaming at us. I think God whispers more than he yells. And I think those whispers get drowned out by the radio and the TV and the busyness and the computer screen, and the things that we fill our time with. And we don't spend very many nights sitting on hillsides just looking at the sky and listening. And we don't spend very many minutes in our day pausing long enough and quieting long enough to be available to hear. I wonder how many of us Are considering our preparedness. Preparedness to be useful to God. How many of us are, are, are taking moments to ask simply what, what could I do God? What, what would be available? What, what would, what would my role be? A bunch of guys are out in the field one night watching their sheep. Suddenly an angel appears, bam, bright, 3,000 watt angel. The whole area gets lit up. The sheep are lit up. Other camps around are lit up. People around the area start to look because this is a bright light. And the angel speaks and he says, hey, I have some really good news for you guys. Tonight, the Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. Hey, we're close to Bethlehem. Suddenly the sky is full of angels, a whole bunch of them, and they sing glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. And these these guys, maybe there was a girl, <laughs> around the campfire that night, they turn and look at each other when, dark, when it goes back to darkness and say, let's go see what this is. Let's Let's go see what just happened. There's not a lot happening in Bethlehem most of the time. This is a pretty big deal. Let's go check it out. So they jump up and they head for town. And they run into the little town. It's, it's, you know, it's not much. A few streets to run through. What are they looking for? <laughs> a light lit in the middle of the night. There aren't a lot of those and it doesn't take long before they pass the places where lights are normally lit at night and they find the little stable behind an inn with a little candle and a little couple and a little baby wrapped in strips of cloth tight swaddled, that's what it means to be tightly wrapped lying in a feed trough what a crazy story and they talk to the parents and they see the baby And I wonder if, like Simeon, they asked to hold him. And all the Bible tells us about that is that they saw it. But when they left, when they left, they did the one thing that is necessary for the generations to follow to know. They told the story. They didn't tell a story of anybody else's experience. They just told the story of what they had seen. You wouldn't believe it. We were just hanging out like we normally would, watching the sheep, the lights, the, the angels, the, the song, the stable, the swaddle, the baby, the mama, the daddy. You wouldn't believe it. That's the Messiah. And the Bible says everyone who heard their story was amazed, was astonished, was in wonderment. And we are gathered here today, full church, because of the story. We've put ourselves, and and in a weird way, the whole world puts itself in the proximity of God because of their story. We rush in and out of grocery, or in and out of stores buying gifts. As we get closer, we rush in and out of the grocery store buying food. We prepare for our family to gather. We prepare for a trip to our family's place. And as our homes fill up on the 25th of December, on the 24th or the 25th, we sit down around a Christmas tree, which has its own weirdness. There's, we've, we've, we've invited this tree into the story, which wasn't in the stable, I'm pretty sure. And we open gifts because this is the greatest gift of all time. Because of the story. Because some guys ran into Bethlehem that night and for the generations that follow, they told their children and they told their grandchildren and they told anyone who would listen that they had seen the Messiah on the day he arrived. And the Bible says that there will come a day when the skies are filled again with angels. And this time, the Messiah is not in a stable. He's on a cloud. And this time, the whole earth sees it. From one end to the other, from top to bottom and all around, everyone sees the heavens filled with angels and the arrival of the Messiah. It's a great day for some. It's not such a great day for others. And it comes back to this same question. Are you available? Did you hear the story? Did it move you? Did it fill you with wonder and amazement? Did it make you want to know more about this crazy plan of God's? When the angels arrive that time, they've come on a different mission. They're not simply telling the story this time. They're coming to gather up the family of God. They're coming to gather up the children of God. They're coming to really round up the flock of God and take them home. And yet, oddly, the outcome of that day is still dependent on those who've heard the story telling the story. Let's pray. Father God, there are hundreds of storytellers in the room today. There may be twenty million gathered on this Sabbath around the world today. Father, I pray that we would be changed by the encounter with you. That we would deign to place ourselves in proximity to Jesus as much as possible. To lend our ear to the voice of the Spirit as often as possible. To make ourselves available to you. That you might dwell inside. Of the stable that is our own life. That you might be in me. That you might be in us. And that when you return. We might be joining your family for eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.